This audio program may contain descriptions of violence and topics that may not be suitable for everyone. Please listen with caution. Do you know what the most frightening thing in the world is? It's fear. I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm just gonna bash your brains. Why, she wouldn't even harm a fly. For some reason out into the living room and then I walk back into my room. As I pass, Jake's shoes are on the couch and I walk into my room and I go, thank you so much for leaving your shoes on the place where I sit. He does it all the time. He does it on my bed too and I'm like, this is oh, our bed. See, the bed is like, don't just the bed, not the couch. You're still sitting on the couch. Yeah, see the couch I have less of a problem with because I'm fully clothed when I'm on the couch. I don't go naked in bed. Oh, really? I don't sleep naked. Do you get choked by your clothing? Because that's why I sleep naked. No, I don't get choked by my clothing. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Why don't you just wear tighter clothing? Wear a tank top. I'm I'm not about that life. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) but so, yeah, I mean, it's just gross because like germs, I mean, you know, you know that germs can affect you even when you're wearing clothes, right? Yeah, but I just figure like, like at work, my clothes get dirty and I'm just like, whatever. It's yeah, clothes. they get dirty, but they're not like on the ground where like a dog could have peed on that ground. You could no. have stepped in shit. You could have stepped in someone's spit who has True. something I mean, gross. I'm not advocating yeah. for it. I'm just saying it bothers me less than the bad. It's just like, you know, you're at the couch. You could just put them on the side of it. Yeah, no, for sure. I don't. He just, he was fine with it. He was just like, <laughs> like for the record, he was just like, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> We're not like strict, you know, shoes off at the door people, but we no. all pretty much take our shoes off in that yeah. area, you know? We're not usually just well, walking around. Well, po- normally it's because like he'll have his gym shoes, you know what I mean? Yeah. And he has to unlace them. So like he'll sit on the couch to, to like, unla- unlace that them. That makes sense. And then put them beside Yeah, we him. don't really do laces. Yeah. <laughs> We're, We're not all lace people. We aren't. Velcro. Our yeah. best. <laughs> <laughs> we are Heelys or nothing. <laughs> I saw a kid wearing Heelys the other day and I was like, oh. And you shot him? No, I was like, oh, to be young again. <laughs> Heelys were the worst. I Heelys hated them so when I was dangerous. young. I hate them now. All those God. people who got all upset because there was those no Heely signs. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's the same reason you can't skateboard inside of a restaurant. Like, you can't yeah, be on wheels when no one else is on <laughs> Just wheels. Just gliding through yeah. hoping you don't hit anyone. That's an awful idea. But also, it's not even, like, you can only go straight. God forbid you have to turn. Yeah, <laughs> You no. can't. It doesn't pivot like that. No. No. It was, it was a time. It was a time. I can't believe they still manufacture them, honestly. Do they? You can buy I mean, that kid right had Heelys. Unless they were hand-me-down Heelys. Yeah. Or, like, vintage. I'm sure, because I'm sure you could buy like them on eBay and stuff, but yeah. I don't know if you could buy. I don't, I don't know if Heelys is still a company. What it if might he just have just been taken what over? If, what if he just duct taped the wheels to his feet? <laughs> it might be notice. safer depending on what kind of wheels. <laughs> it's They're just actually like... yo-yos. Yeah. <laughs> and you leave Bolted. string behind yeah. him, and then it wraps back up, and then it's string, and then it wraps back up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so we should kind of debrief a little, right? Because sure. we were at PodX all we weekend. Were. We released our little behind the scenes at PodX in the Netflix booth for our Patreon people. Mm-hmm. We met a lot of great people. Mm-hmm. We did our two shows. Yep. We're going to be releasing our live show. Yay. And thank you to everyone who came. Yeah. I mean, there were a lot of new faces, a couple we recognized, mm-hmm. and it was just a really good time, right? It was a really good time. <laughs> Matt, this is where I'm like, no, 
Actually, no, actually I'm I had a horrible everyone time. On it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it was really fun. We met a lot of cool people. We talked to Stephen Ray Morris a bunch. We did. Yep. Murphy didn't me, pass out. It took me two tries, but it's fine. I said <laughs> this on the, the, the Pod X one we did, but Yeah, the behind yeah, the scenes. Yeah, when I when I first saw him, he walked by and you know, Austin and, and Mike were like, Look, it's it, you know. And I went, Oh, <laughs> reached and out. just reached my hand <laughs> and, then, and then he walked by me and then the next time I got the courage to walk up to him yeah but <laughs> so yeah it did take me one one freak out moment took you a sec yeah, yeah. Paul Holes commented on one no. of our things Billy Jensen Billy Jensen not <laughs> not the holes but so we gave Steven a bunch of stickers so hopefully he'll give those to we posted the sticker one where yeah. it's like ask me about murder ask me about ghosts and he was like what a good idea <laughs> so I was like Steven give it to him I know what that means. It means he loves them and he, he wants them. It means he wants them. them. <laughs> he desires them. <laughs> yes. We also hung out a lot with the ladies from True Crime Girl Time. Yeah. Yeah, I that feel was like fun. it should be sung in a song. True, True Crime, crime nope. Girl Time. <laughs> we went a different direction. Yeah, we went I felt like different. game show. I, I felt like True Crime Girl Time. Oh, yeah, that, that would be a good one. You're welcome, ladies. <laughs> you can have that. I got the drunkest I may have ever been. Yeah, on like a Which bottle was really, of wine. Ooh, really I fucked up. Yeah, we got champagne after, not champagne, it's sparkling wine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it, at, was, yeah, at it the, was like a rose. Yeah, at the like quote unquote after party kind mm-hmm. of meetup for all the, the podcasters. And um, about two glasses in, I realized I hadn't eaten for a while. Yeah, she and was like, can we order fried pickles? Because yeah, I, was like, I, need, I need to order fried pickles. Because <laughs> we also, the benefit and the downside of living so close is like, you just go home at the end of the day. We're like, it was kind of like, it would have been kind of cool if we had lots of money to have just stayed in Nashville. Oh, yeah. then it would have been like, ooh, we're making a weekend of it. Mm-hmm. But so like at the end, we, we were like, 15 yeah, we miles drank, away. Yeah. And also we drank a whole bottle of wine. So yeah, we have to get food. To yeah. Because we have like, to drive home on. at the end of this. Yeah. Because I, and then I was wandering around the parking garage afterwards. Reppy stayed a little later than I mm-hmm. did. And I couldn't find my car. And I was like, I'm not this drunk, right? <laughs> Am I? Drunk? <laughs> I was on the wrong level. Uh, so that, there we go. There go. Well, um, one time I walked around the mall parking lot in the garage for like, I don't know, I'm going to go with like 40 minutes. Uh-huh. And this was back when I had, I so my car now, you can't beep it. You can't go Oh, like, yeah. Mm-hmm. But this was back when I had my Ford, so you could. And I was beeping it and beeping it. Couldn't find it. I walked all five floors. And I was like, shit, someone stole my car. And I called Elise to be like, what do I do? And she was like, what mall are you at? And I was like, um, Garden State. And she's like, are you sure you're not just at the wrong parking garage? I was just at the oh, wrong parking no. garage. <laughs> for like Multiple a, parking yeah, garages. For like a 40. 45- she was like, you probably parked by the theater. And I was like, but I never do that. So I just yeah, like totally so like, forgot. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. It was just muscle memory that carried me there. And I was like, yeah. no, I parked on the third floor though. <laughs> yeah. But you didn't. And she was like, you're an idiot. Yeah. I usually don't have any problems with that. But I was like, this is. I always forget up. where I parked. Because I don't have that beeper anymore. Yeah. So, you like, should. even, like, I'm, I always have to be, like, okay, because all the fucking parking lots down here are, like, one way. So, you yeah. go in one and you go out the other. So, I'm always, like, what, you know, where am I? How did I come in? <laughs> I, like, have to think about it in my head because I always forget. Yeah. I'll walk around for hours. I'm, <laughs> I'm really good at remembering where things are once I've seen it. Like, uh-huh. I'm very visual about that. But just for some reason, I was, like, where am I? 
Yeah. I can't remember where I parked. No. If I drove that car is gone. Yeah. I will just buy a new car. Torch it and buy yeah. a new one. Well, you should just put a tile on your car. I should. <laughs> you should, like I well, do with my hard drive. Every now and then I'll leave my um like I'll unhook my keys. Uh-huh. And leave the tile. Yeah, because yeah. I know like especially if I'm at the mall or whatever, because I'll just forget what entrance I came in. And then oh, you're yeah. fucked because you're like, Well, I can't walk around the whole huge par- mall parking lot. Mm-hmm. Like so <laughs> Sometimes just I'll do that strategically because then it just tells me at least what side I'm on. And then normally something jogs my memory. Like, yeah. All oh, right. Forever 21. Oh, yeah. So I guess we should kind of get into our thing. Um, Sure. Okay. Our thing, 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 thing. Our thing for today. So we're going to be talking about unsolved, unidentified victims. Un- Solved unidentified yes. victims. Unidentified victims. This is the second one we will we have done yeah. with unidentified victims. Who were the first? Did I do you oh the Summerton Man? No. No, you did um the little girl in the desert. Is it a girl? I'm not sure. I think I did the little boy in the little desert. Little boy in the desert. Yeah. I did the little boy that was in uh the river in England. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, I, it I was so know, long but, ago. Yeah. But also, did I really never do the Summerton Man? No, you didn't. I feel like I have. Maybe I've just spoken I've, about it Yeah, you've talked about I it. I probably will never do it. <laughs> I've I've gone through all the great details in that case. Yeah. Like, if you just, if someone wanted to, they could probably piece together little clips of me talking about it. And you'd get and the get whole the story. And get the whole story. Yeah, probably. That's the same with the uh, Black Dahlia, how you're you're like, I want to cover it, but everyone covers it and that kind of stuff. Yeah, but the Black Dahlia, I haven't spoken about. It's just yeah. everyone else has. But yeah. the Summerton Man, I've only heard like two podcasts about it, even though it's pretty famous. But yeah. Mm-hmm. There's some great details in there. Yeah, there. Are, it's very interesting. Okay. Wait, you go first? I, I go, go first, first. this okay. time. Because we did Hollywood Murders last time, and I did mm-hmm. uh, Bunny Lee Bakley last. So... On March 8th, 1921, a three-foot-long floating object was spotted. I did this one. (laughs) What? No, I didn't. No, I just I just gonna say it. I'm just gonna say it at random times because I want to see. But you never. You keep such a good poker face. I try. I just want to see that moment of freak out in you where you're like, "Fuck, what do we do now? Should I leave? Like, should we should we redo this? Like, what do I do? Yeah." Just kidding. It's like when my it's like when we're on the way to a concert. My dad goes the tickets. tickets. (laughs) Except for now, he says it so often that everyone's like, everyone "Uh already knows. Yeah, funny. (laughs) So a three foot long floating object was spotted in a lake next to the O'Laughlin Quarry in Waukesha, Wisconsin, by workmen. And I'm gonna try to pronounce this. John Brlicht. Okay. There, it's B R L I C H. B R L. There's no vowel in between no, that R. No, there isn't. Oh, that's got to be a typo, right? It that has to be, but it was like consistently that. that in like wherever huh. I found. It. Yeah, it's really annoying. <laughs> it's just an annoying last yeah. name. So the object was found to be the body of a small boy mm. who was thought to have been somewhere between five and seven years old. He was Caucasian and stood at three feet six inches tall with blonde hair and brown eyes. He was found fully clothed in a gray sweater, muncing underwear, black stockings, a blouse, and leather shoes, but with no coat. He also had a missing tooth from his lower jaw. Originally, yeah, he was a baby. Originally, (laughs) investigators believed that the boy had drowned, possibly by accident, but a coroner determined that his cause of death was blunt force trauma (gasps) to the head. 
There was minimal water in the boy's lungs, further disproving the drowning theory. It is more likely that he was killed before being placed in the water. Determining the time of death was difficult, and it was estimated that he had been in the pond anywhere from several weeks to several months. No one came forward to claim the body of the little boy, and police displayed the body at a local funeral That's home. not great. Yeah, in an attempt to find his family. Um, they invited the public to view the body, but no one recognized the boy. Would you go? Fuck yeah, I'd go. I'd go now. I don't care what day it is, what time it is, <laughs> what time period. <laughs> On March 17th, I mean, present a body and I'll be there. <laughs> Habeas corpus, baby. Yeah. Present that body. <laughs> On March 17th, 1921, the child was finally buried. A local woman named Minnie Conrad had raised money for him to be buried at the Prairie Home Cemetery in Waukesha. He was laid in a white casket with the words, Our Darling, on the lid. His headstone reads, Unknown boy found in O'Laughlin Quarry, Waukesha, Wisconsin, March 8th. 1921. Hmm. Conrad reportedly brought flowers to his grave every year until she died and was buried in the same cemetery. Oh, now they're together. Yeah. She's his mommy. She is. I'm your mother now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> With virtually no leads, investigators began interviewing locals. An employee of the O'Laughlin company told police that five weeks before the body was found, he was approached by a couple. The woman of the couple, who had been wearing a red sweater, was crying and asked him if he'd seen a young boy alone. The man who was with her reportedly watched the area where the body was ultimately found. According to witnesses, they left in a Ford and never returned. It's always a Ford. And they're built tough. <laughs> yes. <laughs> An anonymous tip came in later that claimed the woman reported by the witness had committed suicide in the same pond the boy was found in. Oof. But authorities were unable to recover any remains in the area. So they, like, drag this lake and there's, like, there's no woman's body. So. Because you know what happens when, when creepy shit like that happens? She, she was <laughs> hanging or she, she drowns herself. Then her body turns to moths. Exactly. Moths. <laughs> it's like the Little Mermaid, but with moths instead yeah. of sea foam. <laughs> I was going to say butterflies, but that's a little too poetic. It is. It no, it's moths. Or bats. <laughs> yeah. She turns to bats. Bats and just blunders away. And then away. when the police come and drain the body, it's some guy going, oh, we couldn't find the body. Yeah. And then it's a bat <laughs> on his shoulder. Just looking. Like Bartok. <laughs> Get out of here, bat. <laughs> So it was suggested that the couple could have possibly sent the boy off on his own while they had sex nearby. Okay. <laughs> this is just, everyone just wants it to be sexy. Yeah, why could so they're they be, making I mean, up this Or they story. were camping and yeah, they fell asleep. I mean, <laughs> he could have fallen and drowned, though this was refuted by the coroner's findings because he was killed before he was in the water. Yeah, but what if he like fell and hit a tree or something? With and then been, he could have done that could have happened, you know? Because of the clothing that the boy was dressed in, police assumed that he came from a wealthy family. This led to the theory that the boy may have been kidnapped from an affluent family and murdered, possibly in an attempt to collect ransom money. You would think that an affluent would be family looking for would be a kid, like, hey, right? My kid. However, no recent reports of kidnapped children matched up with the characteristics of the body and the timeline of the murder. The media began referring to the boy as Little Lord Fauntleroy after the main character in an 1885 children's novel called Little Lord Fauntleroy. Side fact: Little Lord Fauntleroy is what my father calls my cousin, like in Why? private. 
because in private <laughs> because he's very um sheltered yeah so he's always like oh little lord Fauntleroy Spoiled. yes like that bitch in the book yes that stupid bitch that Fauntleroy stupid no. <laughs> well the whole the book apparently is like this kid grows up really poor and then finds mm-hmm. out he's a lord <laughs> and then he's a lord he so is. you know he's little lord Fauntleroy he's lord yeah he goes to love with his uncle or something I don't know I've never he falls read in it. love with his uncle no <laughs> he goes to live with uh, him I see okay so this is a weird thing that I have mm-hmm. somewhere in this house I have a French set of, it's like, I just found them at a garage sale type thing Mm -hmm. um, in Warwick, New York. They have like, you know, where everyone brings their stuff to the middle of the town and they have like a day. So it's like one big garage sale. Mm -hmm. And it's just like a few French, well, a few children's stories, but they're all in French. They're so pretty that I bought them. That yeah. was like three dollars, uh, and I think that story's in is there. Is in there? Yeah, it was but very the, popular. But the il- I didn't know what it said, obviously, because mm-hmm. I don't read French. But the illustration is like a little kid with like the typical puppy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I always assumed it was about some spoiled brat. Yeah, but I guess well, it's not. And it's <laughs> and it's um kind of plays into why they nicknamed him that because his clothes resembled the clothes right. from the. The storybook. But no one's looking for him. No, no one was looking for him. A picture of the boy was published in newspapers across the Midwest, but no one could identify him. A local department store owner told police that the boy's clothing had been purchased at his store months prior to the body being found, but no one could determine who had purchased them. Months later, a Chicago man claimed that Fauntleroy was his nephew who had been kidnapped by the boy's estranged father. But the child was then found safe at home. <laughs> so it's just like, okay, so I guess not. So not that then. Um, both leads led to dead ends. A $1,000 reward was offered for information about the case, but the investigation went cold. In 1940, a medical examiner from Milwaukee presented the theory that little Lord Fauntleroy may be six-year-old Homer LeMay. LeMay had disappeared around the same time that little Lord Fauntleroy was discovered. His father, Edmund LeMay, claimed that Homer had died in a motor vehicle accident in Argentina during a trip with family friends. However, there was no record of his death and no remains. Also... You don't just give your kid to family friends for Argentina. I mean, that's a little weird. (laughs) He did. He he was like, take him. So Edmund LeMay is a sketchy dude. He claimed that he had only learned of his son's death after receiving a South American newspaper that included an article about the accident. Okay, and you weren't mad at your your so-called friend? No, he doesn't give a shit. Because even if that did happen, right, say you're really close with these friends, yeah. you know, and you're just like, sure, you could take my son. That'll be fun for yeah. him. I can't get off work. <laughs> and then and then they come back and you don't have your son. Yeah. And then you read a newspaper. Wouldn't you then call the police and be like, Hey, I think my son's dead, and also they didn't tell me about yeah, it. Yeah, right. Can you please so arrest them? I think they may have sent the article to him. They were oh. still in Argentina. They were like, hey, by the way, your son dead. Yeah. It was like postcard, 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 postcard. Ha, newspaper. Ha, ha, we're getting turned down here. Yes. P.S. And then newspaper. Son's clipping. dead, yes. <laughs> Homer LeMay's mother allegedly died of tuberculosis in 1919, but no official records of her death exist. Police briefly investigated the disappearance of Homer LeMay and were unable to find any record of the car crash or the family friends he was supposedly being cared for by. It is likely that the family friends, the Nortons, were made up entirely. Uh, yep. 
Edmund LeMay was repeatedly questioned about his son's disappearance, but these interrogations led nowhere, and he was never found guilty of any crimes related to the disappearance of his son and wife. But, like, do they not have a picture of him? They have. There's one picture of Homer LeMay. Okay. Uh, we'll post it to our Instagram. He's a very cute kid. Okay. In 1949, pathologist E.L. Faringer held a conference and suggested that Fauntleroy be exhumed for examination. However, the coroner and the sheriff declined to perform the exhumation. In 1948, Cecilia LeMay, isn't he cute? He does look like the boy, though. Right? That's why everyone's like, he looks just like this kid, and also he's missing. Yeah. He's (laughs) dead, quote unquote. In 1940, I mean, he is dead. Either way, he's still dead. (laughs) No, he's just off living his best life somewhere. (laughs) He ran away. Yeah, he's now um, running a resort in Argentina (laughs) under a new name. In 1948, Cecilia LeMay, Edmund's third wife, went missing from their home. Cecilia. In Waukesha, Wisconsin. Oh, wait, no. I don't think it's Waukesha. One sec. It's Wauwatosa, Wisconsin. Cecilia and Edmund had been planning on moving to Newark, New Jersey for Edmund's work. When neighbors noticed that Cecilia had not been seen for several days, they asked Edmund where she could have gone. He gave different people different explanations. Why wouldn't you be like, she moved ahead? To get the house Yeah, right? No, he told one acquaintance that she had traveled to Canada to visit her sick aunt. Then a note appeared, supposedly from Cecilia, that read, I'm going west with Bill, Cecilia. (laughs) You're breaking my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Edmund later admitted to falsifying this note. Cecilia's friends did not buy that she had written the note and went to police. On September 9th, 1948, a search began with investigators assuming that foul play was involved. A few days later, Edmund relocated to Newark and bought a house with a woman named Eva Clark, who claimed to be his wife. Holy shit. Yeah. The two of them wrote notes to Cecilia's employers, notifying them that Cecilia had relocated to New Jersey. They're all living together, like a weird Brady Bunch situation. It's very strange. Edmund later claimed that Eva had written the notes on her own. He was questioned about Cecilia's disappearance and took a polygraph test, which indicated that he was being deceptive. Edmund was arrested for forging his missing wife's signature on her payroll checks in order to cash them. Dude. But he was later found not guilty of this charge. Because of the suspicious events surrounding the disappearance of Cecilia LeMay, as well as Edmund's criminal behavior, many believe that Fauntleroy could be Homer LeMay. Of course, he killed his son and dumped him in the lake. Right, and made up with his family friend that took yeah. him to Argentina. Edmund LeMay grew up in New York City and relocated to Milwaukee shortly before 1920. According to Edmund's story, Homer was sent to live with the Nortons after his mother's death in 1919, meaning that Homer had also relocated to Milwaukee. Edmund had a history of getting rid of the inconvenient people in his life when he wanted to start fresh, so it's not a stretch to believe that he could have killed his son and disposed of him, leaving no one to identify the boy since his mother was dead and his father was his murderer. You know what I'd like to say to anyone going, hmm, I could just kill the boy. You know what else you could do? You could leave him at a hospital. You yeah. could drop him off at daycare not pick him up. Yep. Could uh, find yourself a family friend and actually let him go to Argentina, a real move and never friend. talk to them again. Yeah, there's so many things you could do to a kid that besides don't killing, killing them. them. Yeah, like if you don't want your kid, like you're a piece of shit, probably. But also, <laughs> killing is like a whole new level. Yeah, why, why take it to that level? Yeah. Just leave, you know? just leave him with a babysitter and never come back. Yeah, you that's fine. Done that. That at least been he'll also get fine. to live a life. Yeah, 
Yeah. I mean, he'll have some emotional scarring, but he'll get over it. Yeah. So Edmund LeMay died in 1981 when he was 86. But DNA and other forensic evidence was never collected from (gasps) him. Oh. Yeah. It's definitely him, though. You think? Yeah. So that picture looks very similar. <laughs> it does. It looks very similar. But the picture of the um of little Lord Fauntleroy isn't great. Well, so. there's the one of him in the casket. Yeah. That and that one good. you can yeah. For years after Fauntleroy was buried, a woman dressed in red and wearing a heavy veil was seen visiting his grave. Who that wasn't Minnie though? We don't think so, no. Because oh. Minnie was like, Yeah, I visit him all the time. Right, so but why this would woman she hide wasn't me? yeah. And police assumed that the woman knew the boy's identity, though she was never tracked down. Yeah, well, you just... Hi- yeah, you, why, why not if you sneak see it out? her, then ask <sighs> her a couple questions. Some theorize that the woman could be an aunt or grandmother of the child who was protecting the killer because the murderer was another family member. Yeah, if it was like his, his mother... His paternal you know, like grandmother, his grandmother or something. So yeah, or aunt. Mother, yeah. Some less compelling theories exist as to the cause of his death. It is possible that the boy was playing near the pond and quarry rocks struck him in the head leading him to die in the pond. The couple who were reported near the pond looking for their son could have been his parents, though it seems odd that the parents of a child who died accidentally would choose not to identify him. Right. Unless they were... So, like, you know that case where the there's the little boy in the... Oh, was that the case I did? The little boy in the desert? Yeah. And he was, like, buried properly? Yes, And people yes, were yes. like, well, maybe it was, like, a family of immigrants or something, and they knew yeah. who had other kids with them, mm-hmm. which... It comes down to, like, do we confess and then all go back to where we're from or whatever happens, or do we keep the kids we have still? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people think he died naturally of natural causes. The yeah. It's, but it, this one's different because cause it's, like, their only kid, too, we think. Well, maybe. But also, yeah. he. I mean, it's an accident, so there's a chance that you could get medical help instead yeah. of, like, him dying of cancer or something. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, it's... You know, and if it was an accident, it's like it was a terrible tragedy and an accident. Right. Like, you know. Also, he wasn't buried. They didn't fish him no. out and then bury him in a proper him grave, in the pond. Which doesn't seem like something parents, parents would do, would even do. if no. they had to. You think they'd at least bury him or something. Yeah. A more credible theory is that the boy was a kidnapping victim. Many believe that Fauntleroy was kidnapped or transported from a large city, likely New York City, and killed and or disposed of in Waukesha. Kidnappers during this time would abduct a child from a wealthy family and demand payments for the child's safe return. However, some kidnappers deliberately or accidentally murdered the children they took. If this were the case with Fauntleroy, it is not improbable that kidnappers would panic and dispose of the body in a place far from where the child's family lived. Right, but they didn't check all the missing people in New York City at the time and see if there was... It wasn't... This was like early 20s, so it wasn't that far-reaching. Gotcha. So if Fauntleroy hailed from a wealthy family that resided in the Northeast or on the West Coast, news of an unidentified little boy found in Waukesha likely would not reach them. I wonder if those records are still around somewhere. Yeah, like, I wonder me if too. someone could track them down now and see if there was a little boy that even like resembled. Resem- yeah, and they said that they sent out flyers with the picture on it and stuff like that, but it didn't reach those big right. cities because you know it was only in the Midwest. Kind yeah, of area. yeah, it's not gonna. I mean, back then you couldn't yeah. just you can just put it up on Facebook. And no, you have couldn't share it. So one strange but recent theory links Fauntleroy. With Jean-Benet a Ramsey. no, with a paranormal internet phenomenon. Can you guess what it is? Because this is something I've wanted to talk about regardless. Internet phenomenon. 
paranormal. Oh. <laughs> that fucking kid in the room? Dear David. <laughs> <laughs> I have to go. <laughs> We're done now. We're shutting That's down the podcast. Crazy. So, <laughs> but he is kind of dressed like that, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, so we're going to go through, this isn't a detailed recounting of I Dear David. I to watch that documentary. Why I can't wait it for out it. Yet? So if you really want to like hear about more detailed Dear David, go listen to <sighs> that spooky. Yes. Cause so um, good. I think Johnny covered it mm-hmm. and it's really good. I'm going to tell you about it, but not everything. Yeah. Okay. So we'll Dear do David, a detailed a deep we'll, dive. We'll, we'll live stream when the, when the, when the thing comes when up. When the movie, when yeah. the movie comes up. So, Dear David is supposedly the ghost of a child that appeared to artist Adam Ellis, who documented his encounters with the spirit on Twitter. Ellis first wrote about David on August 7th, 2017. He explained that Dear David first appeared to him during an incident of sleep paralysis. Ellis awoke in this state and saw a strange-looking child sitting in a rocking chair at the foot of his bed. Ellis, being an artist, drew the little boy he saw that night. The child had a large dent in the right side of his head and looked to be around five or six years old and had sunken eyes and stringy, thin hair. Ellis had a dream of... So rude. How dare you diss that ghost like that? This This ghost has been through enough. (laughs) This is a very unflattering description. Ellis had a dream a few nights later that a little girl came up to him in a library and asked him if he'd seen Dear David. The girl told Ellis that Dear David is dead and only appears at midnight and that Ellis could ask David two questions, but only if he first began them with Dear David. She told Ellis that if he were to ever ask a third question, David would kill him. The next time Ellis saw David, he asked him, Dear David, how did you die? David answered, an accident in a store. Then Ellis asked, Dear David, what happened in the store? David groaned and said, a shelf was pushed on my head. Then Ellis asked, who pushed the shelf? And David did not respond. Ellis realized that he had broken both rules, told him in his dream, and woke up in a panic. Over a period of weeks, Ellis, who lives in an apartment in New York City, began experiencing a series of progressively more frightening phenomenon. His cats began gathering at the front door at exactly midnight. They would stare intently as if they could see something under it. The cats were in a state of alarm during these times, and Ellis could never catch anyone or anything in the hall. He then began experimenting with photographing the haunting of his home. He took a photo through the peephole in his door and caught a strange shadow. The shadow moved positions from photo to photo. Then the cats began meowing at the door. Ellis then downloaded a sleep talk app to try and capture any strange noises in the night. That night, there were 33 recordings captured. 30 of those consisted of cars passing and usual city noises, but the other three contained strange and unexplainable sounds. One had a strange electric noise in it, and two had snapping noises. These recordings were captured between 2 and 3 in the morning. Hoping to find out more, Ellis bought a Polaroid camera and decided to test it out in his apartment. All but one were completely normal. Ellis took a picture of his hallway and the photo came out completely black. He tried to replicate what could have been a glitch, but even after putting his finger over the lens, he couldn't produce a completely black photo. 
He even took identical pictures of the hallway, one with his phone and one with the Polaroid. And in the one taken on his phone, the lit hallway can be seen from inside his apartment. Mm -hmm. So it's like looking out to the hallway. In the Polaroid, the hallway's completely black as if the light was off. Ellis kept seeing dear David sitting in a rocking chair by his bed at night. He had one dream in which David was dragging him through a warehouse and the next morning he woke up with bruises on his arm where David had been holding him. Then, Ellis began receiving phone calls from unknown numbers. After dozens of these calls, Ellis answered one. On the other end, he heard the same electrical sound that was captured in the sleep recordings, followed by a faint voice in the background, which said, Hello. Up until this point, there isn't much connection between Little Lord Fauntleroy and the Dear David ghost story. However, on November 28th, Ellis heard a strange noise coming from a hatch in the ceiling of the hallway. When he opened the hatch, he found three feet of empty space above the length of his apartment that he didn't know was there. In the hatch, Ellis found an old leather child's shoe and a misshapen marble. The marble was handmade, and Ellis was able to hypothesize that it likely dated back to the early 1900s. He set up a camera to take pictures at 30-second intervals while he slept. One night, the camera captured images of Dear David sitting in the chair, standing up, moving towards Ellis, who was asleep in his bed, and then hovering over him. The last picture showed David floating over Ellis and rapidly descending onto him as if he was falling. After Ellis's story went viral, many drew a connection between Dear David and the possible identity of Little Lord Fauntleroy. If Fauntleroy hailed from New York, as many believe he did at one point, there's a possibility that some of his belongings could have been hidden or left behind. Some people also notice that in the images captured of Dear David, his clothing resembles the garments that Fauntleroy was found in. The injuries suffered by Dear David and Fauntleroy are eerily similar. Both were made by blunt force trauma to the right side of the head. And both boys were of similar age and had sunken eyes. Dear David supposedly told Adam Alice that he had been killed when a shelf was pushed onto him in a store. If these two were the same person, whoever took him could have pushed something onto him while he was in a store, either with his parents well, or... Also, remember the guy who was like, he bought those clothes... At my store. At my store a few weeks prior. Yeah. So either they could have bought him new clothes, his kidnappers, if he was, they took oh. him all the way there... Or they were also saying that that guy who owned the store, it was like, we can't really say that it was him, but someone came in and bought similar clothes a few weeks before. So he could have been with his parents and wandered off. He could have been in the store because his kidnappers took him to the store mm -hmm. and there was an accident. Or he could have been, um, you know, the kidnappers could have kind of pushed something onto him to kind of knock him out and take him and create a distraction. Unlikely, but a possibility. Um, My only thing is, like, wouldn't someone notice, notice if a right? boy got a dent in his head unless the storekeeper was somehow in on it? Exactly. Or if we don't know what circumstances he was in this store under because they could have taken this kid and brought them back to a store of them or their friend and at night yeah, and been true. like, what do we do with this kid now? And tried to either knock him unconscious or kill him. Right. Yeah, if maybe the kidnappers owned a store or something, he was in there playing while yeah. they were, like, doing whatever and mm -hmm. the shelf falls on him or... 
Yeah, holding him for yeah. ransom, something like that. Then the kidnapper could have taken him without realizing that he had been killed or realizing and just being yeah. like, we have to dispose of this kid. The killer could have transported the body to Waukesha either randomly or because they had some kind of home base there. Mm-hmm. Or it's also near Chicago. So it's like, well, we'll yeah, we're going to flee to Chicago the, yeah. and we're going to dump him somewhere outside. Or like maybe they lived in Chicago and they knew like they went camping at near that yeah. pond at one time mm-hmm. or something. They just knew it was there. And yeah. That, like no one really goes Something to it. like that. It would also lessen their chances of being caught if it was mm-hmm. just somewhere random out of right. the way. A similar version of these events could have happened to Homer LeMay as well, because we know he lived in New York. Right. Perhaps his father accidentally or purposefully pushed a piece of shelving onto him and killed him shortly before relocating to Wisconsin. If Fauntleroy is dear David, if there's some connection, ghost-wise... Um, there's a possibility that his spirit is connected to the place he died or the items left behind. In this yeah. case, that would be the shoe, the marble, or the apartment building itself. So that's the strange connection of a or like unidentified little boy and dear David. Okay, so say it's Homer. Say Homer's all of them. He's the ghost and he's and little. And Fauntleroy, yeah. yeah. What if that was like where his mother died? Could have been. Disappeared, For died. sure. And then... They're going along, like, you know, to, they're they're going to Wisconsin. Mm -hmm. Dad's like, we got to leave. We got to go. Yeah. And he buys him clothes there because maybe his, they left his clothes behind. Like he left in a hurry, whatever. Mm -hmm. And then an accident happens or the dad does it on purpose or it's neglect. And he's just like, okay, well, I got to dump this body. I I can't deal with this right now. Yeah, well, and it also never says that he dies in New York. We just know he dies in a store. Yeah. So to me, it sounds, it it makes it more plausible that he dies there Mm -hmm. because like, if you're gonna, if you're gonna like, to me, you wouldn't drive really with a dead body just because like, what if you get pulled over? What if you, yeah. So like, yeah, it just seems like more likely that maybe he died. And also, so say the clothing thing is true, mm-hmm. is the same thing. You wouldn't buy clothes for a dead body. No. You know what I mean? So, like, yeah. to me, it, it makes sense if maybe they were at that store and he drops the shelf on him. And, you know, maybe for a few seconds he's alive so he can kind of usher the little boy out. Yeah. So, like, it doesn't seem like, or he just picks him up like a dad would. Yeah. Because you know, mm-hmm. he's still a little boy. Or, like, maybe they're at, they're at ho- like, I don't. I don't, the store thing is weird, but like maybe. The store thing is weird. Yeah. But, and Adam Ellis said that once he had that dream where David told him that, Mm -hmm. he went searching. He was like, I search names like, you know, Donald and Danny and all those things. Yeah, also the fact that it's David. Yeah. Yeah, it's David. Which makes it like, okay, is that just like a weird thing where like the ghost doesn't really remember? Or, or is it someone who just isn't Homer LeMay? Yeah, it's just another kid, you know? Yeah. But like also, you know. I mean, I've only kn- I only know this from ghost movies, so it might not even be real. But a lot of people theorize that it can be very confusing on the other side, and yeah. you might not know fully who you are or whatever. Like he might think store because what if it was like his dad's workshop or something? It could have been and it's like a yeah. shop, which is a store. You know? Yeah, I don't know what his dad did. Seems like no- nothing. Yeah, seems like, like grifting. You know, like back but, then. People, yeah, they always had like fucking workshops. But yeah, they just drank beer and or whatever. But yeah. like. I mean, it's a stretch that those two things, the Dear David and this, would be yeah. connected. But it's unless interesting. You, unless you found out that he died in New York. Like, if then you were, like, like if you knew he died in that building or near that building, mm-hmm. then it's, like, more of a... Or if his name was... If you thought his name, you know, if this guy, Homer's name was David, then it'd be well, more what of, if, like, a, what, whoa. There really isn't a lot about Homer LeMay, mm-hmm. besides what I said. But um, what if he was Homer David LeMay? 
Like, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Also, nobody wants to be called Homer. Maybe they were like, (laughs) this was before The Simpsons. It was fine. Yeah, but still. (laughs) So, yeah, that's the the weird connection between that and then also this poor little boy. I think it's definitely Homer, though. Yeah, I think it's Homer, too. I think it's most likely Homer. Yeah. That poor little boy. Whatever happened to him. I know. It sucks when our kids. (laughs) It's great. My kid just died in Argentina. We're fine. (laughs) (laughs) Let me grieve. (laughs) Yeah. God damn you. Okay, well, luckily, mine's not kids. Good. Well, um, there's a baby. Okay, there's a baby. But not really. I don't know. They're not people. Well, we'll get into it. (laughs) Okay, so on December 20th, this one really affected me, too. And I'll get into how it did, but this one was rough for me for some reason. On December 20th, 1976, a local boy on a walk through the woods stumbled upon multiple pieces of broken luggage scattered on the ground beneath a bridge on Interstate 80, which runs over the Lee River in Pennsylvania. Mm. The teen found two suitcases next to one another. Inside, they contained a head and torso, as well as the body of an infant child. Mm. It was the disembodied body of a female and her unborn infant daughter. Her and her daughter's remains were stuffed into three different suitcases and thrown from the bridge. Two of the suitcases landed 20 feet from the river and one landed on the riverbank. The impact of the 300-foot drop was enough to break open the two suitcases. This resulted in the body parts being strewn around (gasps) the broken suitcases. So you can imagine that poor boy who found all of this. How old was he? He was like... Well, it, it varies in different mm-hmm. reports, but none, they say like from 11 to 13. Oh, so no. not particularly old. Yikes. No. So the other suitcase that remained intact contained the victim's arms and legs. Police theorized that the killer meant for the remains to land into the frigid waters below, so further evidence could not be found, or perhaps hoping that she would never be found inside the water. We're looking for a guy with yeah. really bad aim. But also, <laughs> this isn't like a river, like no one swims in Pennsylvania yeah. rivers underneath the interstate. So Gross. like, if, if it landed in this river, there is a good chance that they would have never been found, or mm-hmm. not for years and years. So it seems Beth Doe, which is what she's later mm-hmm. known as, torso, was cut into two pieces, and her nose and breasts were severed. Oh. They were never recovered. So it's the bodies without those parts. She has no nose or breasts. Yeah. Oh. Although the examination of the body showed a gunshot wound to the back of the head, the cause of death was determined to be strangulation. Oh. Beth, though, had also showed signs of being sexually assaulted post-mortem, and her daughter was nine months gestation, meaning Beth was unable to give birth to her. Mm. Beth Doe's body was ultimately sawed into a total of 10 pieces. Her torso alone, like I said, was sawed into two pieces, which is odd. Yeah. Because well, I don't know why. So vertically or horizontally? Horizontally. Okay. Um, they also figured out that the baby had been removed before the dismemberment uh, took place. So to me, maybe the person cut into cut, the stomach, yeah, took the baby sense. out, and just like cut the rest of the way through mm-hmm. to fit in the suitcase or something. So the body had been cut with a fine serrated tool by someone who was probably not professionally trained mm. in medicine or anatomy, but who still was able to dismember her somewhat competently. So okay. maybe a butcher or yeah, know, something like that. So investigators were quoted saying, he knew what he was doing in <laughs> reference to the killer's precise and clean incisions. Mm-hmm. Some of her body fa- parts were also found wrapped in chenolin bedspread 
which I had to look. Uh-huh. It's the white. It's like the thick white bedspread that has all the tufts on it. Like it oh, looks yeah. like ruching almost. Uh-huh. Pretty expensive. Yeah, fancy. Yeah. So some of her body fault parts were also found wrapped in newspaper determined to be from the New York Sunday News dated September 26, 1960 or 1976. Mm-hmm. She was found in December. So a few months beforehand. Yeah. Also found in the suitcases were straw and dry packing foam. Huh. So the bedspread was cut into three pieces, and it was worn and dirty, but it appeared to be a rust or coral colored with an embroidered yellow flower with dark green and pink design, which there's a picture of a recreation of this, Mm -hmm. which a lot of things online you'll find recreations, but not the real thing. Yeah. Because there wasn't a lot of pictures taken of it. But it seemed like probably... What that meant is the whole bedspread had, like, flowers sewn in all around it, but these were just pieces of it. Okay. And so, to me, that says even more expensive Mm because they're all embroidered. Yeah. The three suitcases were all the same size. Two of them were blue, soft vinyl with side zippers, and they bore red and white and blue stripes on one portion of them. Hmm. So, like, it had, like, a American flag design on it, essentially, but without the star part. Mm -hmm. It was just one. The third suitcase was blue and tan plaid with brown vinyl trim and a side zipper. The handles had been cut off of the suitcase, and the zippers were painted with flat black paint. Huh. And there's pictures, again, of recreations of Mm -hmm. that. The body was removed by authorities and transported in plastic bags to nearby, I'm going to say this wrong, Gnadden Houghton Hospital. G-N-A-D-D-E-N. Yeah, I guess Gnadden. Yeah. For examination. So the autopsy took three hours. It was December 23rd, 1976, right before Christmas. And it was determined that she was a white woman in her late teens or early 20s. Although there was an attempt to disfigure her, um, perhaps to conceal her identity, she was still mostly recognizable upon discovery. However, her identity could not be established through DNA or dental. In 1983, the body was buried after the victim remained unidentified for a number of years. But in 2007, her body was exhumed for further DNA tests, and an isotope test was conducted in 2014 to try to establish more about Beth Doe. Sample of of Beth Doe's tooth enamel, hair, and bone were sent to the University of South Florida for isotope analysis. Mm -hmm. The results showed something the investigators never even considered. It showed that Beth Doe moved to the United States from Europe, possibly the Czech, Mediterranean, Polish, or Jewish origin, as a child or teenager. It suggested that she lived in the States for approximately five to ten years before she was killed. The isotope test was very specific. I had to kind of research, Mm -hmm. like I knew in general what it was, but basically they examined the bone and teeth and to see the layers. And by examining what compounds are in each layer of your bone and teeth, They can discover certain chemicals such as stronium, which is absorbed in drinking water and teeth and hair Mm -hmm. in the book or in bones, teeth and hair. Yeah. So they can kind of figure out out what area you were around. So they were also able to determine that in her last five to 10 years, she was living in Southeast United States, most likely Eastern Tennessee. Oh, so wow. the most prominent clue on Jane Doe's body, well, Beth Doe, was the letters WSR and the numbers 57 that were written on her palm. Huh. And like marker? Or? Yeah, like it looked like permanent marker. Okay. And some people think it says WSR 
and it's either the number four or five followed by a four or seven. Okay. So it's kind of hard to tell what numbers they were. But so I did some research, of course, because after hearing the story, I was like, there's no, there's literally no clues. That's it Mm -hmm. for who they think this woman is. There's nothing. There's no potential people. They have no idea who the killer could be. Mm -hmm. Absolutely nothing. So I did some research. And the WSR um, very likely could stand for a woman's services resource. Okay. There is a women's services resource center in the center town. Or in the center. I put center twice. In a close (laughs) town nearby. Uh, that was open the year of her body was found. Oh. The first two numbers of the telephone, 57. Uh-huh. Which actually, uh, telephone numbers in Pennsylvania. Start with 5-7. Start five, with 5-7. Five, seven. Yeah. Um, but, so, I actually called, and I was like, so I called this place. <laughs> it's called the, it's just called Women's Resource Center, Centerville, or whatever the town was. And because they... They're at a location right now, but the location's new. It opened in, like, 2003, and there's okay. not a lot of information before that. Mm-hmm. So I called, and I was just say, I just told them, like, I'm writing a, you know, a paper <laughs> on a, a woman who was found in the area. Um, kind of made myself out to be news, even though that's <laughs> fine. And I just asked them about previous locations, and the girl who answered was like, uh, yeah, let me find out if we have... And she, they basically just told me that, like, yes, before they did have a resource center that was on a different street. Uh-huh. And that the numbers, the first two tell... Because I asked if 5-7 means anything. And that she was the one who said, like, well, that was the beginning of the telephone number, but it wasn't in the address or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, okay. What they did mostly at the time was help women who were pregnant and couldn't take care of the baby. Mm-hmm. Um... It helped provide locations for them. It helped rape victims, and it helped uh, women with drug issues. Mm-hmm. Okay. In my mind, it seems likely that maybe she was getting the phone number. So, because this was the seventies, and a lot of ways that people advertised were just flyers. Yeah. So maybe she was at some kind of board, and she was, was writing, writing down, down the numbers, um, and she gets lured away or attacked. Um, or or she's getting the numbers maybe from someone and mm-hmm. he's telling her and then gets attacked by that well, same guy. Well, it makes sense that, you know, if she's writing down numbers from a from a board or something, she's distracted. Someone right. could come and up behind her. Right, and someone could just go up behind yeah. her. And she drops the pen. That's mm-hmm. it. Another theory that I was thinking was maybe depending on where it was on her body, the rest of it could have been washed off. Oh. But unfortunately, we don't have pictures. Yeah, so we can't Because, like, tell. if it was, like, kind of near her wrist... The numbers part could have been like, because mm-hmm, if, if it was near a place where sh- you would wash your hands or mm-hmm. something, or if it was like on the back of her hand, we don't really know where it was. Although yeah. some places say hands, some say palm, okay. but like where on the palm, depending, or like if it was written, you know, I'm pointing at Austin right now, so you can't <laughs> really tell, but like we don't know where it was written. So mm-hmm. they could have rubbed off or something like that. Um, so in the end, the only thing determined about Beth Doe was that she was approximately 20 years old. She was 5'4", 130 pounds. She does have dental x-rays available, but it did not match anyone at the time that they had. They have fingerprints, but they do not have DNA of the killer. Mm -hmm. She had medium-length natural brown hair, brown eyes, a small circular mole above her left eye, Mm -hmm. a mole on her cheek, a scar on her left leg just above the heel. She never had a fracture in her life or a broken bone. And she may have been from Mediterranean heritage. 
her estimated time of death was only 7 to 24 hours prior to being found, Mm -hmm. which means that on December 19th, at some point, she was murdered. To this day, it is still one of Pennsylvania's grisliest murders and has remained without tips or lead for over 40 years. Yeah, and there are a bunch of, um, like, sketches and Sketches of recreations of her. They all say nose is approximate. Yeah, because it was missing. Oh, my gosh. It was just, you just read it and, like, the fact that it was so, gr- I mean, someone did that. Someone cut mm-hmm. up her and her baby and yeah. threw cut her, her baby away. out of her. And then nothing. So a lot of people, so I will say this. There are a few other theories. Okay. There's one theory that, that it was just a random person, right? Just random, hor- horrific things. Mm-hmm. There's another theory that she couldn't, ha- she couldn't take care of the baby because she was so young. And so she was selling it. <gasps> and oh. so the person who, t- but something maybe went wrong in the process. Because or they didn't want to pay for her baby. Well, but, but so she was nine months pregnant. So maybe she couldn't give it vaginally. Because why wouldn't you just still let her have it vaginally yeah. and then kill her? They think maybe she was cut open because she couldn't deliver vaginally. Uh-huh. And when they found the baby was dead, they just killed her. Yeah. Or um, she just bled out or she bled out because it's someone how didn't to know. do a c-section then there's theories that maybe it was a crazy person who wanted the baby and mm-hmm. then and neither of them made it and that's why the baby was still there there is a theory because like i said at the time one of the major things they did was rehab mm-hmm. was that maybe she was on drugs and so maybe she was buying drugs or something like that mm-hmm. and then she gets attacked yeah but there was nothing in her system so that doesn't seem very likely no, to me seem... if you're going somewhere for rehab you probably have drugs in your system at yeah first, you know Mm-hmm. So that's her. Wow, yeah. one I'd... of the grisliest murders in Pennsylvania history. Yeah, I'd never heard about that before. Me neither. Yeah, how insane. Yeah, and no leads at all. That guy is none. just out there. Yep, probably still out there. Yep. I wonder if he did more. He had to have right. Who cuts? Who does all that? Unless it's unless it's a family who wanted the baby. Yeah, that would make or another sense. woman who wanted the baby. Right, right, right. Yeah, but I think well, it says she was sexually assaulted post mortem. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, there was a penis. There was involved. a penis involved okay. at some point. So we're so we're putting our money on yeah. man. Yeah. So yeah. maybe she was, but post mortem. So after oh. she died, she was raped. So gross. At all cut up. Yeah, that's. So disgusting. I I also like wonder because she was strangled. I wonder if maybe it was you know someone going, hey, I'll give you three hundred bucks if I can fuck you. I'm real into pregos. Yeah. And then he's choking her. You know, and it goes whatever too far it goes too far, and, yeah. or something like that. But she was also shot in the head, which tells me that someone choked her on purpose and, and then, then shot her in the head to make sure. Well, she died from choking, so maybe. Oh, so okay. I think just it was just like sure. to make sure I'm gonna shoot her too. Yeah. So I know she doesn't come back from this. Yeah. No breasts or nose too. So to me, it sounds more like serial killer level. But yeah. there's nothing similar. Like I was looking to see if there are any similar cases, uh-huh. which I'm sure. Everyone else has done too, so I'm sure it would pop up if there was seven other cases just like it. But the breast and the nose were gone, so to me that says, you know, fucking yeah. they took it. Unless for some reason they were cut off and he threw them down there with her, and animals took them, or yeah. they, or maybe they were in like a fucking bag and it went in the river or something. Could I don't it. know. But why would you cut them off to begin with, though? Yeah, you know, it that also screams. seems really far fetched that this would be someone's first murder. Right? It seems like yeah. or last, yes. unless they then like died right after or went to prison for yeah. something else. It, but like, it seems like this person definitely has had some warm up kills. Yeah. Because yeah. how do you do something so gruesome and get away so, with it? Yeah. So so gruesome. Yeah. 
Like, and very hands-on. Yeah, you had to cut a body up. Yeah. I think she's dear David. I'm kidding. (laughs) I'm so so kidding. She's also, so she's sometimes referred to as Christmas dough, but -hmm. there's also a little girl who's referred as Christmas dough. So sometimes it can get confusing. But the little girl is more aptly referred to as Christmas dough. Yeah, I just. She's more Beth dough. The first thing you see when you go to her Wikipedia page for Beth Doe, it's Beth Doe parentheses known officially as incident number N3-27244. Okay, there's also this weird thing, right? So I think there's reasons why people call her Beth Doe. Some say because Bethlehem's not right there, but close by. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's like the Bethlehem something road or something nearby. Um, But when you search the the letters WSR... Five, five seven. seven it leads you to a bethlehem town page huh it leads you to like a it's like a page about agriculture in the area that's so weird on their like governmental page and i don't know what but it leads you to that page but then it doesn't mention those things it's just like affiliated with that page it's also a weather balloon so that's oh, the first really? thing that comes up yeah also it's a whirlpool yeah, a world so, world but if you type it in and then hit Bethlehem, a page will come up. Yeah. Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's like some weird, and I can't figure out what that page is. Because if that Weather links, radar for everyone. Right. If that links back to like, if it led back to like a, um, you know, in newspapers you could put like selling a crib, blah, blah, yeah. blah. Or like here's my job, especially back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. If it led to one of those, like a personal ads page, you could then theorize that, okay, she wrote that down because that was the number of the ad or whatever. Yeah. So she maybe she was going to Bethlehem or something mm-hmm. to get that. But it yeah. doesn't really lead anywhere. Yeah, that's so strange. Yeah, I it's think, just like I a think strange... it was definitely the for the women's resource yeah. services. But it's or... just a strange coincidence that it comes really up where is. you're like, until you know the answer, you don't really know. No. Everything seems yeah. like a puzzle piece. Yeah, at yeah. first I was like, because the first thing that pops up is that weather balloon. So mm-hmm. I was like, maybe it's that. And then I was researching the weather balloon. And I was like, there's really, there's literally no reason that this would be important no. to her at all. <laughs> it just it's also like a fit. weather balloon in Georgia or something. It's not. Oh, but okay. She's also. She's from Tennessee. Like, yeah. from her teeth, it didn't seem like she was living in... She wasn't living in Pennsylvania long enough for anything to seep to, into her in system. Her. Yeah. Which they say it can take, like, six months to a year. Mm-hmm. So, before that, she was in Tennessee. So, she really could be also going anywhere. Yeah. But I also checked... I checked hospitals. Mm-hmm. I checked plane... Like, like uh, what were flying out from, like, Philadelphia. Oh, yeah. Because I was like, well, maybe she's going home, mm-hmm. even though you can't really... Pre- you know, fly that pregnant, but maybe she just was like, got to do it. Nothing. It didn't come up for anything. Yeah, that's yeah. wow. Well, <laughs> fucking wow. depressing. But a little depressing. Yeah. Unless but it's so interesting. Like, if I was ever going <laughs> to, they're both dirty. <laughs> if I was ever going to write a book, it'd be about the missing people yeah. and the specifically the unknown missing people. Cause they're like, yeah, it's very like, have you ever, I can never remember the podcast. I have to figure it out. But they call them like the missing missing. Yeah. And it's all the dead bodies that are buried somewhere who's nobody's missing. So no one will ever know they're missing. Yeah. Because just, there's no one out there for the trying rest to of find forever. Them. Yeah. No one's trying to find them. No one's reporting them missing. So unless their body accidentally gets found, they're always just going to be the missing missing. Yeah. Yeah. You talked about I that. I feel like last I've talked time about we, that too. Yeah. We did an, uh, it's like unidentified some murder victims. It's not like a very popular podcast. It's just like a, I think, 
it's more of like a news podcast, mm-hmm. if I can remember right. But they were talking about um the Canadian, all the indigenous yes, women. Yes, on the, ro- the yeah, yeah, highway. Yeah, the highway of tears. Mm-hmm. They were talking about that and they were talking about the missing, missing on that. Yeah. The, the, it's like a girl and a boy. And she was like, you know, there's got to be buried bodies there. That mm-hmm. no one's even missing. And then yeah. he says, yeah, they're the missing, missing. Yeah. it's It reminds me of Dean Coral's boat shed and the boys they never digged for. Yeah. They dug to 23 and the detective was like, we just got to shut it down. Yeah. So who's underneath that boat shed? We'll never know unless they... Unless they dig go. it up. Yeah. It's just so sad that it's like also known as incident number. It's like yeah. she's not she's, an incident yeah, number. She's but, a person. Yep. And li- like when I say no one, there have been no tips for 40 years. Wow. Just sat there with yeah. nothing coming in. Wow. Well, and maybe her yeah. family's in Europe or something. And her tombstone, I didn't even put this in because it's the most depressing thing. It literally just says Beth Doe, and then it says an approximate year to the date. And oh, that's wow. it. Nothing cute, nothing loving, nothing mm-hmm. sweet. Just... Because it didn't, yeah, it like didn't even, because I think also in a case like this, it's so gruesome and horrific. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would just rather pretend it didn't happen. Yeah. Well, and especially thinking about that, there's someone probably still out in there the community who did probably. this. Yeah. yeah. And her baby was buried with her, of course. Oh, but. God. Well, that's, that was that's bad. Your, yes. That's your dose Congrats. of you uplifting. <laughs> you asked for you, this. You asked for this. <laughs> you asked me to make a speech. <laughs> <laughs> this speech, speech must, must end. <laughs> um. So we are Hell and High Horror. We are. Um, we're Hell High Horror on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm Austin Costelli. I'm Austin Costelli on everything. Mm-hmm. I'm Repi Hattersley. I'm Rep Rada Ann on everything. Yeah. Our Patreon's still up for the month of June. We're going to be sending out some stickers and stuff we stickers! made to our $10 and up Patreon supporters. Yeah. So even if you're not a Patreon, if you go in, you, can you go. give $10, you can, and then cancel, you can cancel it after it. June. You'll still get some stickers. You'll still get stickers. For $10, you get stickers. Yeah. How cool and is that? cool episodes. Yeah. You just illegally Other download stuff. all of those. You download save all them. Rip to them. your own personal yeah. file. And then you just stop after And then you stop paying us. <laughs> it's great. Or you keep it going. Because I love money. We're telling you how to yeah. cheat us. <laughs> exactly. You know what my favorite animal is? The cheetah. Money. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to get me a gift, Money. money. That's like one year when I was, apparently I was like seven, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Santa said, I was on Santa's lap and he asked me, what do you want for Christmas? He said, what's your favorite toy? And I said, I just want money. Oh, that sounds (laughs) like Because I wanted to buy my own toys. That's so funny. (laughs) Be like Raffi. Yeah. I just love money. (laughs) Um, Well, thank you for joining us, everyone. Please rate, review, and subscribe if you like us if you yeah. don't that's fine then you can also subscribe yeah also don't rate and review though no keep it to yourself keep keep your opinion no <laughs> nobody asks for you to yes. talk <laughs> um so that's it for today mm-hmm. happy haunting is everyone yeah. have a good day yeah. bye, bye. <laughs>
That's stamps.com code program.